it went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook. So, Al, the last, uh, your last victory on the PGA Tour was uh, you, you went back to a place where you'd won the TPC Championship, and that was in 1979 at Colonial, and you beat a couple of pretty good players there. <laughs> Gene Littler and Don January by a stroke. We know them well. I remember that week that was so hot, and I wasn't playing well coming to the tournament. And I even told Lee, my caddy, I said, I said, Lee, don't even come down here. You know, it's it's going to be so hot and miserable. I'm playing so bad. And I go down there, and I use a friend of mine who we're still close friends. He was in high school. Some friends had told me about him. He's a good player. And uh, he caddied for me, and I ended up winning the uh, winning the, the players w- with him. His name is Doc. His doctor, he became an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, Dr. Wolf is his name. <laughs> and huh. and uh, my friend of mine had given me a little tip. I stayed with him in New Jersey, and he had given me a little tip on my golf swing. And, you know, and all you need is a, some little tip. And if it works, you think it works, you ride it. And uh, I, other than that, I was playing not very well when I went down to Fort Worth from, I think, where did we come from, Hartford or somewhere? I don't know. Um, and I rode that tip the rest of the week. and Worked out. Now the caddy, that, the high school kid that caddied for me, Dr. Wolf, or now he's Dr. Wolf, he, uh, he, uh, He's gone through, practiced, and retired now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've all had a lot of good caddy success stories, you might say. Yeah, over the years. Yeah, some good, some bad, but uh, Mark Wolf was his name. He was so, he was getting ready to go, take his test for med school, and he was reading flashcards while he was on the tournament, reading flashcards for to prepare for his, and uh, he talked real slow, real slow like that. He didn't talk like he was very smart. Everybody told me, your caddy is very smart. And, I, and then I heard him talk. I said, there's no way he can be very smart. And they, well, he's doing these flashcards. Well, it turned out he, he could have picked any medical school he wanted to go to. <laughs> he was... <Yeah. laughs> And we still stay in contact. He, uh, he belongs great. to Colonial. He's been the member there for years. Uh, two of his boys played at college at TCU. Wolf uh-huh. is the last name. Two, I can't think of their names, but uh, it's amazing. When you, you go back at your caddy trail, some you remember, some you have intentionally forgotten. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How many did you, did you have, uh, Bruce? Did you ever count them up? Oh, I couldn't. I, I can't remember them. Uh, my, my son always says to me, "Dad, I know that you. I know that you had at least seven caddies because they all they all tried to get money off me <laughs> when I was out there trying to play on the tour, and then they used to say, well, your daddy always give me a little help.' <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they, they, they had to. They were." Traveling, you know, they didn't have it any was money. We weren't making tough. money, and they did. They, they, that was a different story. Now the caddies, they're making. Oh man, most of them are on contract. Yeah, yeah, they're on contract, and they become yeah. millionaires and stuff like that. But 
I had some, some I've forgotten, but some were pretty bad because you picked them up because they were available. <laughs> and yeah. others, uh, I have one, my friend Van, he's still my closest friend. Uh, he can, They assigned him to me when he was 13 years old at Pleasant Valley. He was, oh, his family done. lived there and played there. And they assigned him to me. And I have a picture of Van and my golf bag, and they were the same height. And, <laughs> oh boy! And uh, yeah, and we've been—he's still one of my best friends. Uh, I call, I talk yeah. to him all the time. In fact, he called me to tell tell me what to tell you guys. <laughs> oh, did he? <laughs> Great, that's good. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you, hopefully you listen to him. We went to college in the business world and graduated with lots of money and retired down in down in Boca. <laughs> good for him. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit, if we can, Al, about uh, major championship experiences. We covered the PGA win, of course. Uh, uh, you did pretty well in a number of U.S. Opens. I mean, you had some close calls, didn't you? You had, uh, uh, you know, when player won at Bell Reeve in 65 over Nagel in the playoff, you were T4. You must have played well at Marion the year that uh, Trevino bit Nicholas. All I remember was hot that week. <laughs> yeah, it was hot that week. That was the playoff. Wow! Yeah. Did I? I I finished fourth there. You finished yep. fourth that year in '65 wow. at Bell Reve. Yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, second place finishes in '69 and 1976. Uh, the the first one was uh, was uh, oh, let's see, Moody. I guess won in '69, didn't he? Down at Champions. Yeah, good story there. In Champions. '69. You know, and I'm playing along. Nothing's really happening, and all of a sudden. The last nine holes, I started making birdie, birdie. And that's Bruce knows that's how tournaments like that happen. All of a sudden, everybody else falls. And you and I get around to the 15, part three, 15, 16. 16. 16. And I look up on the board, and I'm leading. <laughs> Orville <laughs> has fallen back, and I quickly three-putted from <laughs> about oh. 40 feet. And I parred the next hole and had a chance for a birdie on 18, but missed that. And Orville, I didn't know it. We didn't, nobody knew Orville. Maybe you did, but we didn't know Orville that he was one of the worst putters in the world. And he was able to get the ball in the hole, the last four or five holes. And, and I ended up second. I went, the worst putter in the world, and he <laughs> <laughs> and he got it in because Dean Beeman and I were second with uh, Rosberg. Rosberg, Rosberg yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the yeah. other one was another fluke. Same thing in Atlanta, Atlanta Athletic Club. Yeah. I was played okay, but I, nothing was really happening. And the last day. And I'm playing good, but not making any putts. All of a sudden, I started making birdies at the end, and the other bird started backing up. And I was playing with Weisskopf, and we both parred the last. I made a 15-footer for a par on 18, because that's the whole. Remember, we had to lay up, because if you hit it. Yep. People don't realize that there's a pond in front of us. Yeah. Of the green. And if you just touch the rough, you didn't go for the green because you couldn't get it out of the rough, U.S. Open rough. And I hit it there, and I laid up and hit it on the green and made a 
12, 15 footer or something pretty good. And so I'm thinking, oh, maybe we'll, Tom and I are in there. We're going to maybe be in a playoff because we looked back and Jerry Pate had hit it into the rough on the right. And we went, no way. He's going to, we may, he may bogey. And we're signing our card. And <laughs> he, uh, and we hear a zoom and the crowd yelling. And he, he had drawn that somebody had taken a big divot and his ball was in the cleaned out area. That's why he was able to hit a pure, he put it in there about like, do you remember that, Bruce, at all? Yeah, I do remember, sure. Yeah, and, you know, we, we talked to Jerry about that, too. He he was on the podcast with oh, us. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite uh, – I, I remember one thing, and I think I mentioned it uh, when we were interviewing him, but uh, I, I, my, Charles Cootie and myself were paired within the first two days, and, and this young guy, uh, we – we had the honor on the 15th hole, which was a long par three with water on the right-hand side. And I think I had the honor and I pulled it into the left bunker and Cootie pulled it and hit it in the left bunker. And Pate stood up there and just frozen rope it about two feet from the hole. And we thought, my God, this guy can really play. And he ends up winning. Yeah. And he froze that thing out of the rough where yeah. he would have had to lay up and, no, you know, he can make par from there. We did, but it's not easy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That was a smooth little five iron. And you, you mentioned now that you hit that rough on 18 and it's likely you're not going to be able to go for it. Well, no. uh, as you remember, John Mahaffey felt like he needed to go for it. He did and wasn't successful. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, uh, Pate was lucky, you know, somebody had been there and wiped out the divot. And so he had a decent lie and went for it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, the open championship because you played in an era uh, where it wasn't that big a deal for American players for a number of reasons. One, it wasn't <laughs> official money. Uh, it didn't pay that much. And so it cost you money to go over, even if you won, probably right, it exactly, wasn't convenient. Definitely. It wasn't convenient because you might play in it and then have to miss the PGA Championship the next year. That happened a few times in the 60s where they ran them back-to-back. But just take us through so our listeners understand the mentality of the player toward the Open Championship back then. Well, Bruce, you you probably went to it a little more. You probably had a different yeah, I play, attitude I, uh, being from Australia or not. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. You're you're true. Uh, most most people that were born outside of the U.S. always felt like that if they could win the Open Championship, uh, you know, that was that was a big deal for them. So just about, you know, I played there from '64 on. I think maybe wow. fifteen, twenty times, something like that. Yeah. See, it cost you a lot to go. You had to almost yep. you had to skip the week before. And, you did. And, and ruined the week after. So you really almost wiped out three weeks. Um, yeah. And it cost so much. I went when I became, I was, when I started, had a good run there in 74, 5, and 6, when I was playing good in there, I went over to the to the British Open and had a little more money to go over there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I think the best I did, I did 12th. I played at, uh, Royalism is where I, my first yeah, one. Yeah, you, you, you picked a couple of picked a couple of tough golf courses. Litham with a they must have had a million bunkers, and then and then the next year you play at Carnoustie. Yeah, Carnasty. I 
Kind of nasty, I didn't play right? Very well there. Uh, <laughs> that's when they had a second cut, and I I made I missed the second cut, and yeah, it's a lot of work, a lot of work to go, and you would traveling, you had to almost give up the week before if you wanted to give give a good run at the British, and you uh, and you would ruin the week after, so. We weren't making much, so we were counting what we made each week to keep going. And uh, so you d- decided what to do. Well, if we jump ahead to the PGA Championship where you had one win, you had some other opportunities too there in that tournament, didn't you? Uh, yes, let's see. Well, obviously the following year where I said I won back-to-back because I, I – yeah. At Columbine. Won by four shots and lost by two the next year. So technically, I was the leader for two years. Nobody, nobody else there ever looked at it that way. But <laughs> yeah, uh, where else? Uh, PJ well, played well. Yeah, yeah. The next next year was the top ten at Pecan Valley. The year Julius Boros won. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. I guess I did play okay there. Yeah, top ten at Tanglewood in '74 when Trevino won. Oh, Trevino won, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I like I like Tanglewood. In fact, turned out that's where I won my first senior event. It was the Vantage. Yeah. Was it Vantage, Tanglewood? Yeah. I won the. That was, I won a hundred thousand. I think. Wow, man, that was fantastic. <laughs> Money. Yeah, but I, so I did play pretty good at Tanglewood. Yeah. Yeah, and then seventy-seven that year that uh, Watkins won in a. Sudden death playoff with Gene Littler. You were T six at Pebble Beach. Oh, so I played okay there. Good. So I, what did I think? <laughs> yeah, he's good <laughs> at Pebble. Well, no, there's another story that goes for that. Yeah. That was the week the Ryder Cup team. They finalized the Ryder Cup team. So I was twelfth, and they took twelve. You remember every year the Ryder Cup. Well, you didn't pay a lot of attention to it. But the Ryder Cup team, top 12, were the team. And so I was 12. So I'm there that week. They they go in and I get fit and I have everything, get all the sizes, all the clothing, everything ready. And that week, uh, Lanny Watkins beat Gene Littler in the playoff. Yeah, and the new rule was if you if a member of the PGA won the PGA Championship, it knocked off the twelfth man. So nobody felt sorry for me. <laughs> Goodbye. Said anything. I got knocked off the Ryder Cup team. It happened several <laughs> years later, and they felt so sorry for whoever it was. And I'm going. Nobody said a word when it happened. I got nobody cared off. about both. <laughs> Nobody knew that I got knocked off the team, but uh, I had the clothes fit and everything. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Yeah, you crazy. You could have gone back to back in the Ryder Cup because, as a player, you competed at Champions. Uh, that was a victory for the U.S. side in 1967, and then, and then in '75, uh, the Ryder Cup before that '77 year, uh, it was a win at Laurel Valley. Why don't you take us through a little bit of your your Ryder Cup experience? Because uh, your captain was none other than Ben Hogan. I had two pretty good ones, didn't I? Yeah, you sure did. Yeah, my first year, 16. Uh, Seven, wasn't it? Yep. yep. Yeah, sixty-seven. Because yeah, I won the PJ in sixty-six. Uh, was Ben Hogan? People ask, "Oh, what was he like?" and all that. And your meetings and all that. And I say, 
what meetings? <laughs> All I remember, and Bruce could probably appreciate this, was we didn't even go in the clubhouse for me. We were met in a group between the 18th green and the clubhouse. We just huddled around a group, and Ben, ben said a few words, and you had to listen because he didn't talk very loud. He said, first of all, you have to play the small ball. Remember back then, it was right. British. Yeah, play the you had a choice. Ball. So yep. he thought it was choose. a disadvantage yep. if we played the big ball. So he said, we had to play the small ball. He said, wear any damn clothes you want. Because by at then, clothing was starting to come in. And everybody was arguing over nothing fit and the wrong clothing. And it was just a mess. He said, wear any damn clothes you want. And most of all, don't lose. That was it. That was our, that was our pep talk. That was the speech. <laughs> Big five-minute speech, huh? It was. That was that was basically it. Uh, yeah, don't don't lose. <laughs> yeah, you and Gene Littler played together. We did. We played a lot. Yeah, yeah. Gene and I paired together. Yeah, you you split three matches with uh, with uh, Tony Jacklin and Dave Thomas. You were one one and one with those guys. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, they didn't even carry. They kept me with the same group the whole time. They people said, "Did you have a say in who you played against?" I said, "No, I had no idea." <laughs> so I ended up. They just want whatever worked, and we were already winning. So they, yeah, they just left it uh, playing the same guy, and then the other. With Royal Valley with Arnold, our meetings were a little, not much. Uh, they all got together who they wanted to play with, and and <laughs> I think I sat out the first match, and then I ended up I played with Johnny Miller, I think, as a partner. Uh, Ray Floyd as a partner. Well, whoever you played with, you didn't lose. No, Lou Graham was a partner. Yeah. Louie, yeah. So I had different partners every match there. And uh, and never lost a match. Never lost. Tied, I think, didn't they? <laughs> never lost. Undefeated. I think we tied one in there with, didn't it, Jacqueline and Oosterhouse or something? Yeah, it could have been, I think. I don't know, but uh, just give our listeners a feel, uh, Al, because the Ryder Cup has changed so much since then. It's a whole different deal on a different level. Give our listeners a feel for what it was like back then. Yeah, well, it was a big deal, but not a big I wish I'd have thought of it as a bigger deal. I would have played a little harder to get on it because I was always kind of on the edge and just missed or something like that. But I, uh, one funny story of the Ryder Cup, Laurel Valley – Lee Trevino's there, and Peter Oosterhaus, Every he beat everybody. He would beat everybody. Have you heard this story? This is no. where we're in our team meeting, who's going to play who, and Trevino says, give me that Oosterhaus. You know what? I'll, I'll play him. I'll beat him. If I don't, I'll kiss every one of your guys' ass, he said. <laughs> so he goes out to play Peter Oosterhaus, and and he uh, and Peter beats him. So we all ran back to the player meeting room, 
and we all lined up Dropped and we pulled down our drawers as they came in the door. Uh, <laughs> he denies it. But, uh, oh. Wait, it was either Peter, was it Peter Strauss or was it uh, the other yeah. guy? Uh, he's passed away now from, from England. Um, he was oh, beating wow. everybody too. But anyway, Lee said, give me, give me that SOB. I'll beat him. And if not, you know, and so we ran yeah. back. We ran back there, and we all had our drawers down as he walked in the door. Oh, <laughs> it was it That's wasn't funny. Brian Barnes, was it? Brian Barnes, yes. Was it? That might be, might have been him rather than Peter. I'm not. The stories fade after a while. <laughs> the, the, Lee even denies that it happened. <laughs> well, as I recall, uh, uh, he he beat Nicholas twice in the same day, back to back singles matches in one of the Ryder Cups. Brian Barnes did. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe that was might have been Barnes, but Peter had a good yeah. run going too. So. He sure did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you had a good senior career, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, boy, ten times. Yeah. Well, Bruce is going right along with me. We're we're only a month apart, and. Uh, but I remember the senior tour was a hundred thousand dollar purse. Wasn't that the biggest purse for? It was for was when we started. Total purse, <laughs> yeah, hundred thousand. Total purse. And uh, so we were, we were, we didn't get in the in the best years. And I mean, it's it's grown quite a bit, but nothing like the regular tour. Yeah. <laughs> notice how Bruce is. You notice his answer there? No. <laughs> Now we look at because Bruce and I fell into the the uh, when they started the uh, retirement on the tour, and yeah. he and I, Bruce and I, didn't do very well. We got caught in because uh, they were making up the tournament. They didn't know what to do because we're independent contractors, and yeah. we uh, and the tour was a nonprofit organization, you might say. Yeah. So, Do you remember how much you got for your pension off the regular off tour? The regular Do you remember? Tour, you want to want me to say? I got a hundred and eighteen dollars yeah. a month until age sixty-five or seventy-five. Anyway, a hundred eighteen dollars a month. Okay. And you got, well, that you know something. How much do you think I got? You said you got one lump sum, didn't you? No. What happened is. For you to do what you did, where you took a deferred compensation over a certain period of yeah. years, you had to, you had to have at least ten thousand in your pension oh, to oh, do that. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know uh, that. And I got one check, one check for forty six hundred dollars. That was it. Yeah, and I got one hundred eighteen dollars a month. I almost, I almost, I should have kept a few of them to uh, <laughs> prove it. Yeah, and now. What did uh, Tiger Woods say? The PGA Tour has the best retirement in sport. Yeah, and we're and Bruce yeah. and I are probably looking at each other. Yeah, sure, but it was right <laughs> in the middle of the eighties, wasn't it? Right in there, they made up. Yeah. The, they started figuring out how to have a retirement early eighties, somewhere in there. Yeah, well, we played. Uh, the last time I played was uh, eighty-two, so. I think you're right. I think it was yeah. like uh, it either started in 81 or 82. 82, I think it started. Yeah. Yeah. So with people, so with my career, 
on the tour, and I stopped playing about then too, because all I have on my yeah. surgeries then in, in eighty. That's right. That's right. I didn't play much after that. I got a whopping one hundred eighteen dollars a month, and uh, this this is a joke. Uh, annuity. Well, it was annuity. They called it annuity uh, for me. Yeah, as yeah. You, as you can probably appreciate, this subject has come up before with <laughs> oh, really? with some of the guys and. Uh, I always come back to just one example. You know, we just saw on the news again where they 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 passed out the forty million dollar <laughs> player impact profile uh, payments, right? Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, and and first prize was like eight million dollars went to Tiger Woods, who didn't hit one golf shot the entire year. And I'm thinking, you know, there's probably some other uses for that forty million that would go a yeah. long way to take care of the guys that played back in the day. I have a feeling they've been exposed that that money's there. Uh, it's going up next year, though. It's going to go into $50 yeah, million next year. Yeah, I heard that's year. going up. But I, that means they got money back there. They could go back. And when they figured out the retirement, it was such a new area. We were independent contractors. That was the excuse they gave us. Um and prop, you know, the tournaments were for charity and all that. And uh, we, uh, and that's when they figured out the senior tour. I don't know how'd you do on the senior tour, Bruce? I, I, I did a lot better on the senior tour. I think my pension, which ended when I became seventy-five yeah. years old, a, how would you like your pension to end at seventy-five? That's when you need it most. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it ended at seventy five, and I I think it was in the close to three hundred thousand total. Yeah, broken up over this year. So, so uh, I was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a little more than that. I got so, so much a month, but it ran out at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it started sixty five, and you had to take it by seventy five. That was yeah. Anyhow. Bones, we look at your uh, your senior victories. As as Mike said, you won ten times. You won uh, you won the uh, Infinity Senior Tournament of Champions a couple of times. Back to uh, back, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, started started at Vantage, where you talked about it uh, in nineteen eighty seven. You won three three times in eighty seven. You won. That was a pretty good start. Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me, one in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pan and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? You know how you are when you get started on the senior tour. You're either, you might say, choked to death or you're, you think you're going to do good and you don't, or you do start good. And I won that first tournament. And then I won the, two weeks later at yeah. Hilton Head. We played uh, Hilton Head, and then we and went to again. Las Vegas. And I won that all, all the three out of four tournaments. It was 
So you get all fired up again, and uh, that was. Uh, so, Al, yeah, are you, are you playing much right. golf these days? No, I'm. I. Yeah, once the pandemic hit, that kind of slowed, knocked the wind out of everything, and now, now I can't even make myself go out. And when it is, it's, it's too embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> That's the hard part, isn't it? You know, we, 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 we've loved this game for many, many years and you go out there and your mind still feels like it's going to work all right, but the body won't do what you tell it. And you make this nice swing and yeah. wounded duck out to the left. and the Goes about 190. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awful. I had, a, I had a group, my friend, my tax account, tax lawyer, he... He said, here, come and play in our nine-hole group. And I said, okay, that sounds pretty good. So last year before the we started playing, they last year when we were starting to be able to play again, I would play their nine holes. And I realized, now I know what nine holes are for. <laughs> Boy, nine holes are just right. <laughs> and I think about it for another week and play nine holes again. But so far this year, Good weather, and I have we haven't played the nine holes. So well, as we uh, as we wind down the story of Al Geiberger, uh, one thing we like to do, Al. There's a few questions we like to ask all of our guests, and uh, Bruce, I'll I'll let you get going with the first one. Okay, Al. If if you knew what you know now, back when you started on the tour, what changes would you have made? Wow. What changes? Because we just went along and learned the game, whatever we knew, and we pick up information or misinformation. And now they kind of they they have all that information ahead of time. What changes yeah. would I make? I would probably work a little harder. <laughs> I think that would be the biggest thing. I'd play more tournaments because I used to. And Dave will ver Stockton will verify this. That instead of going out for three weeks, I'd go out for two. Well, sometimes when you've been home for a while and you go out for two, your third week is really going to yeah, be your right. best week. And I did that so many times. I left my best week, you might say, at home. Left it at home, yeah. And I would, but it was hard to go away for three weeks from your family. It, uh, it's a hard thing. So two. I guess I was copying Jack. Jack, but Jack was on a different level, and he also had his own plane. And <laughs> a little different. Come on, Mike. Ask him the next one. Well, the next question is this. Uh, we'll give you one career mulligan. Where do you take it? Oh, wow. A career mulligan. Ah. <laughs> uh. I guess it gets back to one of those U.S. Opens. Uh, but actually, Pate was in control of that, so that wasn't a mulligan for me. I was a victim of it. Uh, I, uh, I guess if I'd have realized that Orville Moody, I didn't knew nothing about Orville Moody. Remember, yeah. he's still in the service. Yeah. And I, I didn't know that he really had so much trouble putting. <laughs> and that... Man, I'm in a good shape here to to win the Open, you know, because 
there's no way he'll be able to finish the last three holes, you know, but he did. So would I have played harder, I guess? I, there, yeah. Mulligan. Uh, bad, no, one shot, one shot. It's hard to find one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I can't. Uh, I, I, when I had to go into the playoff with Gary Player, and I hit it on the 18th green and three putted from right. really, it wasn't that hard. Of, but I made the putt 20 footer to win the playoff. Otherwise, that would have been my mother. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I went out the next morning when we were loading up the car and I said, I don't believe this. And I putted that putt over. And it was a much slower putt than you could see. It had a knob in the middle of the green. Well, I was probably so nervous I couldn't see the knob. Uh, and so I came up real short. So if I hadn't won the playoff, I would say that, yeah, Mulligan. Okay. Well, that's, that's fair <laughs> enough. So uh, in wrapping up, Al, how would you like to be remembered? Oh. Well, I guess. Everybody wants to be known as a nice guy out there. and uh, You certainly fit that bill. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, and probably too nice. So maybe that's going to my mulligans, be a little tougher. Uh, in fact, that could, that could tell you this little story about the 59 and that. Uh, but uh, I guess known as a good, nice a modern day golf swing. I guess I had more of a modern day golf swing because a lot of the things that I was doing, I really fit into their to the mold of of the modern day. But uh, I'm going to go back here. Stan Wood had he would always encourage us, you know. And and I'm in the middle of the 59 round, and I I had gone eight under for seven holes. I parred the next two, which felt like bogeys. So next time you have a streak like that, the pars yeah. are going to feel like bogeys. But now where I had to walk up to the next tee, see, remember, Bruce, I was on the front nine, not the Correct. back nine. Correct, right. Okay, so after the par three, which would be number what, three, four, five? Four. Yeah. Yeah. Then you walk down in a ravine and up to the next tee. Well, the gallery couldn't go back there. And I'm walking down there. It's hotter than hell. And I'm going, oh, this is awful. And oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? You know, in other words, I'm so far under par and going, oh, no, what do I do now? You know, what? and I walked out in there and I went, wait a minute. Stan Wood used to always tell me that I needed to be more aggressive. And I said, okay, That's I'm going to just be more aggressive now. And if I screw up, Stan, it's your fault. <laughs> and, I and it did. It's kind of like, okay, Stan, it's going to be your fault. Well, I blew it right down the middle on the green and and made a 12-footer for a birdie there and then three holes to play, and the gallery was yelling 59. But that little speech of, okay, Stan, if I screw up, it's your fault. <laughs> but that, that psychology I played on myself, I took some of the pressure off me, yeah. I think. <laughs> well, I got an I got an idea of how we should remember Al Guyberger as a as a as a good solid competitor with a beautiful golf swing and a very kind man. Oh. Uh, I've never heard him speak a sour word about anybody that he's ever played with or met, and 
I just want to say to you, Al Guyberger, thanks for joining Mike Gonzalez and myself today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you about you and your career. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's nice to get somebody that you can talk about the old days and uh, and it might be remembered now. Because, uh, uh, you know, nobody knows who you, Bruce, you and I are now. <laughs> <laughs> We're too old, right? If they're... If they're uh, the young guys don't. If they're any younger than a certain age, my kids do. <laughs> That's good. Well, we're sure hoping that uh, people 50 years from now will be listening to these episodes and they'll learn who Mr. Al Guyberger was, Mr. Bruce Devlin was, and uh, we certainly thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway, it went smack down the fairway. And it started to slice just a smidge off line It headed for two, but it bounced off nine My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay Yes, it went straight down the middle Quiet